Hello and you're welcome to this week's Backdoor Football Show. On today's show we have an interview coming up with Mead footballer Killian O'Sullivan on where he talks about the great year Mead had. Here with Mead footballer Killian O'Sullivan. I suppose Killian, reflecting on the year for uh, Mead football, it's been a positive one. Uh, at the moment maybe it doesn't very much feel like that having uh, finished the the Super 8 with three defeats but uh, and I think uh, that will come with time maybe that appreciation for how good the year had been uh, especially compared to last year where uh, you know just about avoided relegation from Division 2 and not winning the championship game uh, so you know definitely progress made from last year uh, although that wouldn't have been too difficult uh, but naturally love when you get in these situations uh, look, you were in entering into the Super 8, we, we were keen to take advantage of them. Uh, and yeah, just disappointing that while oh, you put in some good performances for a certain period of the game, uh, to be finishing bottom uh, and maybe not to have gotten a win, uh, it's quite disappointing for the group. Uh, but yeah, like I said, with time, uh, as it passes by and we reflect back in the year, we'd have to say that you know it was quite got promoted to Division 1. Uh, made a made a Leicester final and made uh, made the Super 8 uh, so I suppose if you give me that option last year having lost to Tyrone in the first round of the, the qualifiers I'd have uh, I'd have taken her arm off so uh, yeah uh, well, upon reflection uh, a positive enough year and what's changed from last year to this year for Mead football any one thing uh, I suppose there was a sense of mid football had been at, at its best and maybe last year was a bit of a wake up call for the players involved that you know we were just kind of fed up of this losing crack uh, fed up of getting knocked out so early and not having a good summer and yeah just uh, fed up of losing really uh, this coupled with uh, that, that bit of a change in attitude uh, coupled with a few introductions to uh, from under twenty panel from last year, uh, quite a strong number of young players coming through, which kind of gave a bit of life back to the uh, gave a bit of life back into the the team and the return of a couple of uh, key players as well, and also a couple of uh, a bit more of an introduction in the backroom team as well, but uh, as well. We've had three years of experience from the the backroom team that have been there all the time, and they were constantly learning as well, as well as the players. So I think finally we just got that upper. We were able to translate all that learning, all those defeats, all all that. Uh, I suppose all that heartache, and we were able to to use that and uh, uh, invest it in in the right areas in our uh, in terms of our approach this year. And yeah, couldn't be more delighted with how things went. And what does uh, Andy McEntee bring to the table for Mead football? Uh, well, I suppose, first and foremost, he's a Mead man. Uh, you know, he definitely doesn't do it for uh, the good of his health anyway. Uh, you know, he's kind of been putting his life on hold, really, the last three years, uh, trying to get this team to where it's gotten. And, you know, I can tell you, no one feels those defeats uh, more than that man himself, so... I think that's uh, 
yeah, I think first and foremost is just you feed off that passion. You feed off that uh, that love of me football that he brings to the game. And also he brings a wealth of experience. I would have worked with him on the minor team. Uh, and then also I would have been part of the team. Uh, he would have been involved with Bonnie Bones in ended. So, you know, he knows how to win. Uh, he knows how to manage, uh, you know, fairly... Not professional, but you know, elite level sports teams. Uh, so he does bring that element of professionalism to it as well. Uh, and yeah, I think I think they're the two main things. First and foremost, he's a lead man. He's a graph for the lead team. Uh, he's a graph for the players. And you know, he has the experience of how to coach and uh, you know how to manage high performance teams. And lots of people have put Mead's success down to the new coach this year, Colum Nally. How much of an influence do you think he's made to this Mead team? Uh, Colin's been very good this year. Uh, maybe Andy would admit himself that it gave Andy a bit of a chance to to, to step back uh, and you know give Andy a bit of a the room to maybe work one on one with players or uh, work a bit more with the with, with the attack. Uh, and yeah, just allowed maybe Andy to manage the team a bit more while while Colin was strictly all he has to do was worry about the coaching. Uh, and sure, that's that's what he does. Uh, you know, he's he's highly invested. He's always thinking about new drills. And you know, during our, our training sessions this year, you know, no no one of them was the same. Uh, you know, I don't think we ever repeated a drill, and that 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 really brings a bit of. Uh, Freshness to the group and all, and like you know, with, with anything, when you add a new face to a group, it livens things up a bit. As long as they fit in with the culture, and Colin very much did, and uh, you know, credit to Andy for that as well for uh, getting the right guy in. He just didn't get any any individual, any any old coaches. He made sure that it was the right guy. He fit in well with the group. Uh, he identified with the values of the group, and he very much added to it. Uh, and. Yeah, I, I, I just think that was huge that, you know, every any mistakes or any work-ons in the game uh, from during the league and championship, you know, uh, Colm uh, combined with the selectors like uh, Donald Curtis, Finn O'Murta, Jerry Cooney, uh, along with Andy, would be tailoring the sessions very much, uh, the areas or the, the weaknesses which we'd shown and addressing those. And I suppose looking back at the Super 8s campaign for you, it's probably frustrating because you're in such a good position in Bally Buffet, leading against Donegal, then in Crow Park in in a good position again against Mayo, and you really gave enough of it to carry the last day. I think really Mead's issue was just in the last quarter closing out that game was probably frustrating because you were in winning positions in those games. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it was... I wouldn't be too sure of anything of why we might be closing out the game yet. It might take a bit of time to before we really sit down and identify what were the what was the key issues there. But personally, on reflecting myself, as maybe that we'd invested so much in you know just at the start of the league, just getting promoted to Division Two, and then you know meeting our initial goals of uh, Division uh, getting promoted from Division Two, the Leinster final, and then making the Super Eight that. Uh, you know, takes quite a lot of you know mental effort and physical effort to get there. Uh, and uh, when we when we got there, maybe we just didn't have enough 
try and prepare for those kinds of games as, as we as we would have liked. Uh, and I suppose in love those goal, those games themselves, it was very much uh, I suppose maybe lack of experience, but. You know, we really, that's really crunch championship football, those kind of games, those last 10 minutes wasn't. There's some, there's bits being said with fitness and the likes of this, but I, I wouldn't agree with that personally. Uh, you know, in those games, actually, we were getting fitter, we were uh, hitting good speeds, hitting good distances uh, overall as a team. It's, it's more so if you look back in the games, oftentimes it was literally two minutes of madness on our part from decision making or. Uh, in the Donegal game and, and the Mayo game where, where they hit us on the counter uh, went three or four points up and you know kind of killed the game within those within the two minute period uh, it wasn't like they pulled away in the last ten minutes taking score after score it was just they were you know they showed that the experience those teams had just to uh, you know kill the games off or uh, you know manage those last ten minutes or that, that I suppose that Madness and that intensity that comes with those last few minutes of a championship game, and just me football haven't been there the last few years to be able to call on uh, that kind of that, that knowledge or call on that game experience as to how to manage that best. Uh, so I, I think that was a big thing was just you know uh, the lack of experience uh, and our just our decision making the last few minutes that we haven't been in those kind of calls and environments before where. Uh, we could call on maybe you know how to close out those games or how to manage those games that bit better in the last few minutes and losing the Leinster final to Dublin there's obviously a huge amount of criticism put towards this me team but they also have to be given major credit to hold one of the best Gaelic football teams to five points in the first half did the criticism kind of motivate you as a team uh, to go on and progress to the Super 8 Sometimes I, I wouldn't really use outside, uh, external kind of factors like that for motivation. Uh, you can use it for, as a bit of a kick maybe uh, in, in the week building up to a game, but if you're relying on external uh, influence like that to motivate you, uh, no, it's probably not the best headspace to be in. Uh, There's more so a disappointment amongst ourselves uh, that we hadn't produced the performance that, uh, the performance that we were capable of. Uh, and Yes, it was maybe more so from an attacking point of view that uh, the forwards felt they maybe let down the backs a bit. You know, the backs had been able to, uh, you know, hold the Dublin defence uh, for quite a lot of the game, and maybe up front we just didn't give them enough of uh, uh, enough return for the amount of effort that they were putting in. Uh, so, you know, as the game went on, then surely it was natural enough that the, the enthusiasm and the, the Maybe the, the desire to kind of keep getting out, getting out in front and winning those balls waned a bit. Uh, also, Killian, it must be hugely satisfying to see the younger players coming through in this squad. When you look at James Conlon, Shane Walsh, Ethan Devine, Derek Campion, they're all really putting their hands up to, uh, to be in this me team. Which was a big wake up call for myself, uh, only 18, 19, and then 
the likes of Campion, Conlon, Ethan Devine coming in from the, the under-20s last year. Uh, yeah, like I said, when fresh faces are added in and they're, uh, you know, making the impact that they've had, it kind of, you know, takes weight off the shoulders of the other players maybe that have been on the team and have been carrying things for a while that you have uh, lads like that coming in that are almost playing with, uh, without any fear, without any uh, pressure of expectation, you know, there's no pressure on them to perform, they, they're just going out, uh, you know, fulfilling what might have been for them, you know, a childhood dream to represent their county and uh, yeah, I'm just delighted for them that they they've got to experience, you know, a, a positive year because uh, over the past number of years we haven't really given much, uh, young players much to shout about or much to look forward to in terms of the performance that we put in. So it's great to have uh, young lads coming in, driving around for us uh, and hopefully encourage us to do so as well. And obviously with these young players coming through, there must be a huge amount of work being put into the underage structures in Mead now. Yeah, I, I, I think so. To be honest, I wouldn't be too familiar with it. Too, too familiar with uh, the work going on. That's just pure ignorance for myself. But I suppose the, the county setup can be so all-consuming, especially if you're working full time as well. Uh, you kind of can forget what goes on at the underage level. But uh, you know, yeah, credit to the county board, credit to the underage trainers there that are putting it. Uh, putting in the effort uh, to bring that true and I think that's one of the big things from at our minor level that uh, our minor team a couple of years ago uh, that maybe the structures weren't there to help people transition through into the senior team that hopefully that they're putting in a bit a few structures now to help people on the under 17s and their 20s make that step into a senior setup uh, because I don't think that has been in place uh, a number of years ago so it, it's good to see those players finally uh, you know bearing the fruit of uh, the great work that the clubs are putting in as well because you know that's where you want to start with is at the club level you know the club level is really the club is where uh, the, the, these players uh, are born and are bred and that's where the, they get their passion for football uh, and it's then the county setups and the club setups the county, sorry, the county underage setups which reap the rewards of that and you know and bring a bit more professionalism about it with the strength and conditioning, uh, you know, the diet, the nutrition, uh, and all of that. Uh, to, to be a bit more of a, an elite level athlete. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully that kind of that that line of uh, underage players coming through continues. And playing in the Super Eights this year as a footballer, there's been a lot of talk about do the Super Eights have a future. Do you think um, they have a future, Killian? Uh, when they were first introduced, I, I, I was very, uh, I was very apprehensive about it. I have to say, uh, it just, it, it, it just made it harder, I suppose, to win, to win the All Ireland in my eyes, uh, and make that, you know, maybe make that run to the to the semi finals. Uh, all of a sudden, you had three more games to play after the next final before. Uh, if you won the Leicester final, that is, before you got to the semi-final. Uh, but playing in them this year, I find them very enjoyable. Uh, just it brings a different element to championship football, like going up to Bally Buffet on the Saturday, uh, or on the Sunday, sorry, playing in front of a, a full crowd, uh, with the sun out, you know, there was nothing else like it. Uh, loved every minute of it. Same going to Cole Park, uh, playing Mayo, uh, you know, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I would do, I would, they have a future, but 
I suppose to avoid dead rubber games like Cork and Roscommon and even for ourselves playing Kerry at the weekend there uh, we didn't really have much to play for in terms of uh, you know an external reward like a semi-final or uh, uh, a piece of silverware uh, we had plenty of motivation don't worry but you know uh, I think that can make it tricky for teams uh, you know going into the final round where they might not have uh, anything to play for at all uh, but yeah I, I do like it but still at the same time I don't see what it's doing to help maybe some of the weaker counties or not even the weaker counties but some of the other counties that have been knocked out earlier in the round uh, you know because all it uh, the great you know you just have more elite level teams getting more game time at that championship level uh, you know which is only going to benefit them while the other county teams are out of action three or four weeks uh, and they're losing that valuable game time uh, with people playing together with the team playing together and do you really think uh, there is a need for a two-tier championship in the football? Uh, well, I couldn't answer. I can only answer personally for myself, uh, and I'd have to say that if there was a second tier, uh, and neither would be in it, that I myself personally would probably wouldn't play football, uh, wouldn't play that level. I just think there's so much dedication that goes into it uh, that you know, if you're paying for competition I'm not sure how much that would motivate me uh, and uh, I'm not sure really I'm, not, I'm open to suggestions in terms of how they structure things differently but uh, so far from what I've read I don't think it's feasible I know they tried it a couple of years ago with the other competition uh, but at the, at the same time uh, I think there is a need for restructuring but the GA in itself is a very uh, old fashioned uh, organisation and as a result very resistant to change uh, but I do think there is drastic changes needed because with the pressure coming from other sports now, like the rugby uh, and soccer, uh, you know, uh, GA needs to move the times and needs to look at uh, how it's promoting itself and, and how it's structuring itself. Uh, because at the same time, you know, you have the club players losing out as well. Uh, so I'm not sure what's needed is needed to look at. Maybe just a league and championship combining the two together and just running off one competition as a whole in a, maybe a league format and I think All-Ireland uh, so you give a county you have a county season and a club season then at the same time uh, I don't know but uh, I have to say uh, I I, uh, I don't then be the person that has to come up with these structural changes or has to make these uh, come up with these ideas how to bring uh, Gaelic football into the 21st century I suppose and it's really been a great year for you and Playing Division One football next year will really bring Mead football on. What will be the main aim for Mead next year? I suppose being realistic, the main aim is consolidate uh, Division One. That was the big disappointing thing from this year that we didn't uh, beat a, a Division One team. You know, we we performed, which was great, but you know, a good performance uh, with a loss doesn't really. Uh, doesn't really uh, soothe uh, the, the agony of the defeat at the end of the day. So uh, the, the main thing would be to consolidate Division 1, but, you know, have those complete performances, you know, not these 60-minute performances where we kind of then lose the game within those uh, couple of minutes uh, at the end of the game, uh, but be able to, you know, a full, complete 70-minute performance, 70-75-minute performance, uh, where we're beating Division One teams and we're learning how to beat them. You know, we're 
learning from mistakes a lot quicker uh, and that'll be the main aim in, in the Division 1 next year and I suppose the second aim is to make it back to a Leicester final next year and, and to win it uh, you know I won't be playing football for any other reason uh, and some people sometimes might think that I might be mad to think uh, you know we, we can beat Dublin uh, you know I, I guarantee I very much believe that now when I'm sitting here talking to you and you know uh, I'll be training in order to do that uh, for the next couple of months and Killian, I believe you're involved in psychology um, and psychology is such such an importance in football does that really help you um, when you're playing football Teams, teams nowadays, you know, the physical uh, in terms of skill level is all the is all the same. Uh, the tactics are all the same. Everyone's on the same level. The strength, conditioning, fitness, all of that. Uh, so I think where the people are looking for that bit of an edge now is that mental uh, that mental edge. And you can you can even see it on our own team last year. You know, we, we lost to Longford uh, in the in the in the championship in the first round. And two weeks later, uh, we won the eventual All Ireland uh, finalists uh, to a point. Uh, you know, so within those two weeks, we didn't get any fitter. Uh, we didn't get any. We didn't change our tactics, tactics very drastically. Uh, you know, our skill level didn't improve uh, very much. So it was just that you know, mentally, we were in a different place uh, playing that wrong game than we were against Longford. Uh, and it's a huge benefit for me. Uh, as well from a personal sense but also from the team sense what I can bring to the table uh, but also at the same time it can be a bit of a, a hindrance at times that maybe I overanalyze things too much or I, I get too involved or I'm, I'm, I'm caught in my head too much where I at best just let, let the football you know relax and play, play football rather than overanalyzing everything uh, but very much so from the theories around motivation and you know uh, how to create a coach within the team uh, and even the basic skills like uh, skill acquisition and skill execution, uh, you know, uh, psychology plays a huge part in that. And uh, yeah, I, I would see it as being a, a huge benefit myself. Even you know how to pick yourself up after defeat, like the Dublin game, I find it uh, quite beneficial. Uh, and also, you know, preparing week on week uh, for games during the league, uh, you know, that that's a serious uh, mental effort having to put in there. And you know that's what I think the league is about. It's really more about your your mental fitness rather than your your physical fitness. You know, getting yourself up for uh, a game every week, uh, week in week out, and that's what the Super Eight does as well. So I think that's where it really benefited myself. Uh, and yeah, it's great that so I have a, a career that I love and a sport that I love, and that the, the two complement each other in that, in, in a way. And it's really now club championship time of the year and you play your football with Moyne the Valley and how do you rate your chances this year in the Mead Senior Championship? Uh, well, we've won one and lost one so far uh, in, the, in the club game uh, and so we're playing championship next week so against uh, Longwood so uh, it's our main aim would be to get out of our group and I suppose that would be the, uh, the minimum goal for us and uh, it's very much with these club championships, you know, uh, whoever just builds momentum at the right time. Uh, we would very much fancy ourselves be able to beat anyone in the championship. Uh, I don't think there's any team that's streets ahead of us. Uh, but, you know, we're a small parish. Uh, we have a small play, uh, player base to pick from, but a good player base to pick from. So it's just, you know, it, there's an element of luck to it as well in terms of uh, 
you know, having all the players available, having all the players fit. Uh, and if you do that, I very much fancy ourselves to get out of our group and, you know, to make a challenge for the for the uh, for, for for the league championship. We we lost our second game to Summerhill, who uh, narrowly enough by four points, and they were uh, they were in the they were in the senior final last year. So you know we're not a million miles off it, and I suppose it's great that had that look forward to as well. You know, uh, going back to the club, that there's something to play for. That you don't have too much time to be feeling sorry for yourself about. Uh, how the campaign has ended with the lead team uh, that you, you can pour that energy and you can bring that experience back to your club Absolutely and since the Super 8s has now finished up it's All-Ireland semi-final weekend and I suppose the first game we'll have to have a look at is Dublin and Mayo and Crow Park which is expected to be a sellout how do you see that game going? After playing Dublin and all the talk about how Dublin are invincible, do you see any flaw in this Dublin team to be defeated at all this year? Uh, I do think you know any uh, any team has the weaknesses naturally enough, uh, and I suppose you saw in our game maybe that you know when you have a maybe a set of backs that can go man on man uh, with them that uh, pressure can be applied and you know that they can. Be like any ordinary team that you might play in a, in a championship. So I very much, I think that's where actually Mayo have benefited. Um, Mayo have been able to put it up to them over the last few years, is that they have the ability to go man to man with them. Uh, and you know, if you can stimulate their attack in that way, that uh, you do have a chance. Uh, but just unfortunately for us, we just weren't on song that day against uh, Dublin uh, in terms of our shooting and our attack and play. But yeah, I very much think that you can go man to man with the with the back, uh, with the double forwards and uh, hold them up in that sense. That you're, uh, I think you're giving yourself a, a shot in there. Uh, and also, there's a lot of talk of the full back line being very weak for Dublin. But uh, I, I think they're a 
accommodating for that this year by, you know, they're flooding an awful lot more players back uh, and, you know, really just clogging up that defence, that, that attacking uh, that attacking area, uh, you know, so that's the safety numbers that uh, you see Tyrone get a lot of stick for putting whatever, 50 men behind the ball, but Dublin do that at times as well. Uh, if you look at any other games, they regularly put 50 men behind the ball, but it's how they transition the ball out of the fence and once, once they turn it over, that's the difference between them and a lot of other teams. Uh, but yeah, I think that'd be the, that's the main thing, being able to go toe-to-toe with them in the uh, man-to-man in defence uh, and just being patient on the ball in the, when you're in the forwards uh, in terms of working the score because they do put up uh, quite a uh, 15, uh, quite a wall of a defence in terms of the mental players they put behind the ball. And looking at the semi-final between Kerry and Tyrone, it's another tough semi-final to call who do you think will be joining um, Dublin in the final? Uh, I don't know. It's hard, to, it's hard to see maybe where Kerry are asking. I wouldn't be sure about their attitude at the game at the weekend. Maybe they had one eye on the semi-final and uh, might have been holding themselves back a bit. Uh, and I suppose with, with Tyrone, uh, it, it's hard to call. If, if Tyrone play, uh, you know, if Tyrone do stick with the defensive system uh, and focus on that too much, I feel it will be Kerry's game. But, if Tyrone play with that that good mix that they have of uh, you know keeping men on the inside forward line and with the likes of uh, in I think in there that uh, I do think they will smother Kerry and that they will uh, they will get the win. Absolutely, and the area really where Tyrone are going to have to focus on is stopping the inside line of Clifford, Ganey, and even the new face Killian Spillane. That's really where all Kerry scores are coming from and Stephen O'Brien and Sean O'Shea as well. They're really going to have to tie them down up front and that's really where you're going to have to tie Kerry down because any day Kerry played, they want to bring it to shootout and they know that they can outscore any team. Yeah, very much so. Kerry are a natural football team like that. They like to play football. They like to be... Uh, they like to kick the ball an awful lot. Uh, and so they, they like to play that with one football very uh, get the ball inside the football line very quickly but without uh, before I suppose uh, the defenders are getting back and uh, and setting up that wall uh, and I suppose the big thing for Kerry will not to be making making a hero out of any of the any hero of those sweepers like the likes of Colin Kavanagh or whoever he was, whoever is in that role that you can't give them that kind of uh, uh, emotional uh, turnover in terms of you know constantly kicking the ball uh, into a sweeper like that, and he's constantly turning the ball over. Uh, they just have to be patient, I suppose. If, if that forward line isn't firing, and I suppose it'll be interesting to see how they play against the blanket team uh, like Tyrone do, because Donegal very much did set up like that. They went toe to toe with them, and it was a great game. But I don't think they've met a team yet this year who will be a stubborn and a structure that's thrown in that uh, in that uh, in that defensive shape. Uh, but you see how Kerry contracts with that uh, this year actually already where they very much do the same they did the same to Kerry uh, they just did the same to Throne uh, in the league where they put 12, 13 men behind the ball and just transitioned out of uh, their defence very quickly. Uh, so yeah, I, I think if they can get the ball in, it, it, to the inside forward line uh, as quick as they can without getting the throne and set up, uh, I, I think they they do have a chance. But uh, I just think uh, 
Tron will be two smarts them two organised and yeah uh, if they keep that attacking shape they have up front but using like the Peter Hare Niles Blunt and uh, McShane in the full forward line then uh, I think it will be Tron's day and finally uh, Killian just to spill a few beans on the some of the Mead football panel who would you say is the best in training? Best in training would be I'd have to say Conor McGill. Uh, Conor McGill. Yeah, I don't know. I have to say Conor McGill. Uh, when he rarely trains, anyway, but when he trains, he's very good. Uh, and if he's, he seems to be inventing new kind of injuries every week uh, to get out of training. But I suppose if he keeps playing like that for the weekend, uh, you know, I suppose you'd let him run away not training. But when he does train, he's on top. And worst in training? Quickest in the squad? Quickest in the squad, uh, after myself, I suppose I'd have to go for, uh, who would it be now? Uh, Shane McLavin or Shane Gallagher, actually, would probably be the, the, the two quickest men, the two cornerbacks. Uh, they, they'd definitely be the quickest. Uh, most skillful? Most skillful, uh, actually, we're one of the new guys in this year, McGovern. Biggest moaner? Uh, biggest moaner would have to be Sean Tobin. Uh, you know, there's always something one week uh, that he's given out about. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's, it's no news to us that Sean Tobin would be. Uh, yeah, you won't be too happy if you saying it now, but uh, there was a chant going around that Sean Tobin's very negative whenever he, uh, a, while, a, a while ago there. But, uh, Great guy, great charisma to have on the panel, but uh, he does like the odd one. And most intelligent? Uh, most intelligent would be Gavin McCoy. Uh, you know, smart guy uh, on the ball. He's a good speaker in the dressing room as well. Uh, but yeah, I'd have to go with Gavin McCoy for most intelligent. And worst taste of music? Worst taste of music? Uh, who'd that be now? Darth Hampton. Uh, new guy in this year, I thought he was all that with his tunes, but you know, any time he was given the speaker, he was quickly uh, booed off it. So, yeah, definitely worst out of music that I can't be. And best dressed? Best dressed, uh, Brian McMahon, uh, always looking well, and uh, yeah, uh, good hairstyle as well to go with that, but uh, yeah, always looking sharp uh, in training, always looking sharp in my day as well. And worst dressed? Uh, worst dressed uh, definitely uh, Shane Glynn actually yeah. uh, wears some of the most atrocious soccer fields uh, on a Gaelic field uh, and then also off the field as well 